What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because we don't know a millionth of 1% about anything. That's a Thomas Edison quote. It's one of my favorites because of the humility that it requires to say, hey, you know, we've got some stuff figured out, but there's still a lot more to learn. This combination of humility plus inspiration. Now, one of my favorite things about my work is I'm constantly learning new things. That's what keeps it interesting. That's what keeps it exciting. Today, I want to fire off 40 of those things that I've learned in my 40 years on this planet in honor of my 40th birthday this month. This list actually started as a blog post on my 30th birthday, and I've expanded and revised it since then. And actually, the bulk of these were recorded for an episode in 2019, so I'll be chiming in with any edits and updates as the ideas roll in and add a few more lessons from the last three years at the end to round out this list. Ready? Let's do it. Lesson number one, there are only two ways to get rich. Make more or desire less. That's it. You want to get rich? Those are your options. Figure out how to make more or figure out how to desire less. Lesson number two is the best opportunities aren't visible until you're already in motion. I have Ryan Finley from episode 72 to thank for that one. Although I don't think I fully understood that advice at the time, I've come to see it hold true over and over and over again, both for myself and for my fellow entrepreneurs. And I think the reason that's true is because it's physics. An object in motion stays in motion. Once you get moving down the entrepreneurial path, no matter how feeble or tentative those first few steps are, it's tough to stop. A personal example of this, the Side Hustle Nation blog and podcast is the direct descendant of an old personal blog that I had. That blog was inspired by a friend of mine, I hired to help with SEO for my uh, shoe business. That shoe business was born out of an internship I had in college. And the reason I got that internship in the first place was a friend of mine pointed out that job listing in the classified ads, like one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. But if you never get started, it's hard to stay started. It's hard to see those opportunities that come down the line. So those words from Ryan are probably the number one tip from Side Hustle Show guests I return to most often. So start today, you never know where it will lead you. Lesson number three, you want to make money online? Help someone. There have been volumes of content written and published about how to make money online, but the simplest answer is usually the one that gets overlooked. Help someone. I'm reminded of the rule of the internet, which was explained to me by Jim Kukrell at a conference years ago. He said, people are only ever online for one of two reasons, to solve a problem or to be entertained, right? This is Google and Facebook in a nutshell. I think solving problems is generally easier and perhaps less competitive than being entertaining in the world of entertainment you're up against ESPN and HBO. So what problems can you solve? Money only follows value. Like Zig Ziglar said, you can have everything in life you want if you just help other people get what they want. Lesson number four is you vote your priorities with your time. My most common excuse for not getting something done has historically been, I didn't have time. Sound familiar? What I've tried to replace that with is the more honest, I prioritized something else. Time is our most valuable asset, and it's a uniquely egalitarian asset in that everyone has the same 24 hours in the day. Be honest with yourself, I prioritized something else. Lesson number five is that no one bats a thousand. What I mean by that is that not everything you try is going to be a success. And if you're unfamiliar with baseball statistics, a batting average of a thousand means you get a hit every time you step up to the plate. 
some of the best players in history hit 300. Essentially, they failed seven times out of 10. I've had plenty of failed projects along the way. Some were embarrassing, expensive, painful mistakes and lost me a lot of money. And others just cost me my time. But don't let the fear of failure stop you from stepping up to the plate because one thing's for certain. If you never swing, you'll never get a hit. And here's the other thing about failing. It's usually not life-threatening. One quick thing to add here is the math that Todd Tresseter shared with me. Todd writes at financialmentor.com. And he argued, as long as you keep your downside risks low and you're tackling projects that have significant upside potential, it's really only a matter of taking enough swings until you get yourself a hit that erases all of the so-called failures and starts to build significant wealth. Lesson number six is that plane tickets are my favorite thing to buy. Perhaps you've heard the quote that travel is the only thing that makes you richer. Well, it's definitely not the only thing you can buy to improve your life. It is one of my favorites. And in the last six or seven years, we've been fortunate enough to travel quite a bit, both domestically and internationally. And the trips are exciting. But the cool thing about buying plane tickets is you get to look forward to that trip for months. There's an anticipation hack for you. And now the cool thing is being able to meet up with fellow side hustlers and internet friends just about everywhere we go. It's been super rewarding. The other cool part that I think is worth noting is we often fly for free thanks to taking advantage of credit card rewards. Freecreditcardcourse.com is my free guide on how you can get started doing the same. Lesson number seven is when it comes to people, no matter where you go, we're more alike than we are different. Most of us have the same inherent desires and motivations all around the world. Maslow called this the hierarchy of needs, and more recently, Dan Pink explained how we strive for autonomy, mastery, and purpose. This has been helpful to realize in a time when everything seems so polarized. Zoom out for a second. That's all I'm saying. Zoom out. And random note, I actually registered zoomout.org as a domain name probably 10 or 15 years ago, for some future charity project that I never ended up working on. And I don't think I own that domain anymore, but maybe someday the time will come to prioritize that. Zoom out. We're more alike than we are different. Here's lesson number eight. That said, no matter what you do, some people are just jerks, especially online. Do your best work and don't stress about the haters and the trolls. As someone and maybe this sounds familiar, who generally prefers to be liked over the alternative being disliked, this was a tough one. But as Taylor Swift would say, haters gonna hate, and you just gotta shake it off. I used to get pretty upset when someone, you know, would leave me a bad review or call me names online, and I'd be lying if I said it still doesn't bother me a little, but the kind notes and the thank yous I receive far outnumber and outweigh those. I even created a little hate mail label in my Gmail so I can archive some of the more colorful messages that I get. And I tell myself, hey, you know, they're probably just having a bad day. Now, one important note here is constructive criticism, like I've asked for in my member surveys. Those criticisms are actually really helpful. And and I've made several changes in response to those notes. Lesson nine is choosing what's next doesn't mean choosing what's forever. In the past, I think I assigned an unnecessary permanence to certain decisions. For instance, I probably naively thought I might run my original shoe business forever. But in other areas, I went into jobs and projects positioning them as experiments in my head. For example, I knew I didn't want to stay at my day job at Ford 
forever before I even started. But it was what was next. Similarly, that's opened the doors to play around with other side hustles and have fun with them, knowing that if they don't work or if I don't enjoy them, I don't have to keep doing them. Lesson 10 is the journey is the destination. So the shoe business I mentioned a moment ago, that was my original side hustle. But after 10 years, it had reached the end of its lifespan. It had a great run. That was the vehicle that let me quit my job, but it was time to move on. And I think every business and every human has a lifespan. Some are longer than others, of course. While there are things you can do to extend the longevity, nothing lasts forever. That's why I say the journey is the destination. You've got to learn to love the process, the ups and downs and twists along the way, because every time you get where you're going, the same question always looms. What's next? Lesson number 11 is get while the getting's good. In hindsight, knowing that the business wasn't going to last forever, I wish I'd scaled up faster. I could have brought on help earlier to help accelerate the growth, but I figured I had plenty of time. And if I'm honest, I probably had some control issues too and letting go, letting I'm bringing on new team members. But I see people taking this lesson to heart on platforms like Amazon FBA. The opportunity might not last forever, but they found something that works right now and are going hard to build their business while it does. Lesson 12 is that if there's a shortcut, it's mentorship. For years and years, I was a hermit. For all intents and purposes, I was heads down, working on my business with very little interaction with the outside world. I was stubborn, but resourceful. I told myself, every challenge that came along, I can figure this out which was a good attitude to have, at least better than the alternative of giving up and throwing in the towel. But I've come to recognize there's a third option that involves a less brute force effort and can shorten the learning curve for almost any task, and that's mentorship. And I want to be upfront here. I have no formal mentors, and I don't think you need one either. If you have one, awesome. But I think virtual mentors are just fine most of the time. That's what I've relied on mostly through blogs and podcasts. What's working for other people with similar businesses? How can I apply those same strategies with my own unique twist? If there's a shortcut, it's mentorship. Instead of trying to figure out everything myself, now I ask, what can I learn from the people who've gone before me? And I'll add mentorship plus masterminds. Masterminds have been a huge game changer for me. And it's kind of crazy to think a few years ago, I had no idea what they were. My friend, Teresa, who was actually guest on episode number two of uh, of the Side Hustle Show. She was like, well, what does your mastermind say? And I forget what I was even asking her about, but I definitely remember my confusion about her response. What does your mastermind say? What? And she's like, come on, Loper, mastermind groups, think and grow rich, really, nothing? I had nothing. I had no idea this was a thing and no idea what I was missing. But that changed and those groups have been really helpful for accountability, feedback, support, in friendship over the years. The entrepreneurial road can be lonely and a peer group or mastermind group of people walking a similar path make sure everybody gets where they're going a little bit faster. To follow up on the mentorship thing, I think the art of simply paying attention is an underrated entrepreneurial skill and one I took longer than I should have to embrace. This is the skill of looking up from your desk every now and again to see what's working for other people. How are they structuring their content? How are they selling their stuff? How are they making money? What tactics can I effectively borrow, put my own unique spin on them, and then apply them in my own business? 
This tactic has added thousands of dollars a month to the bottom line. We did an episode with Donald Spann on his virtual call center business. And one of the things he mentioned was listening to every interview that the founder of Ruby Receptionists gave, because she'd talk about some of their internal processes and metrics and benchmarks and how they ran their business. And that was stuff that he could immediately apply to his own operation. The underrated art of just paying attention. In some ways, this is the who, not how question, which I think I first heard from Chandler Bolt from self-publishing school. When you face a problem or challenge in your business, the tendency is to tackle that problem head on. How am I going to solve that? Instead, the next level strategy is to ask, well, who has faced this before? How can I get their help? Because that's probably going to be faster and more effective than me doing it myself, than me trying to reinvent the wheel. Lesson 13 is when the work sucks, it's time to move on. If your side hustle gets to the point where it just drags on you, why keep it going? The last thing you need is a second job that you hate. I pulled the plug on several different projects because I no longer enjoyed working on them. Some were money makers and some weren't performing that well, but the common ground was that there were other projects I could prioritize that were more exciting, rewarding, and fulfilling, like the podcast, for example. Lesson 14 is you can't expect to get better without practice. I don't play much golf anymore, but when I did, I'd constantly berate myself for not improving. Then it hit me. Why did I expect to get better? It's not like I've been practicing or hitting the driving range consistently since the last round I played. The same is true with business. You're probably not going to be awesome at it your first time out, but you'll get better with practice. Well, 2022, Nick has been playing a little bit more golf this year. And shocker, you do get better the more balls you hit. It's just like blogging, podcasting, making videos, whatever your business is. There's a certain level of just needing to put in the reps. I don't know if there's a shortcut there. One thing that we've been working on with the kids is that term yet. They're not allowed to say they can't without adding yet. I can't do that yet. And similarly with their biking and swimming and reading and math, Nobody's born knowing how to do this stuff. If you want to get better, you got to put in the practice. Lesson 15 is dogs are awesome. I was never a dog person growing up. And as a young adult and aspiring entrepreneur, the last thing I wanted was another responsibility to take care of. That's all I saw. A time and money-sucking distraction dressed up in this cute fluffy package. But 12 years later, the side hustle Shih Tzu is an irreplaceable part of our family He is sleeping at my feet right now, as he does for most podcast recordings. He doesn't get as much attention as he used to, but the place feels empty without him. And I think having him around the house has been great for our boys. That's lesson 15. Dogs are awesome. It took me a while to to figure that out or to learn that. 2022 update. The side hustle shih tzu is still kicking. Hope to keep him around for a while. Lesson 16. Everyone is self-conscious about something. Too fat too thin, too hairy, too bald, too short, too tall. My voice sounds weird. My car's a mess. My clothes don't fit. Whatever it is, we've all got our own insecurities. And the good news is most people are too worried about themselves to even notice yours. Lesson 17 is that it's okay to marry your high school sweetheart, but there's no need to rush into things. So Brynn and I started dating our sophomore year of high school when I was 16, she was 15. 11 years later, we finally tied the knot in uh, top secret fashion at San Francisco City Hall. And then a few months later, friends and family joined us for an awesome sham wedding weekend down in Mexico. 
but I love having such a long history and having grown up together. She's been super supportive of all my crazy business ideas and schemes. And, you know, she's built a pretty sweet side hustle herself. So I'm proud of her for that. But in college, one example sticks out. So I was debating whether or not to take this house painting, quote, internship. And she encouraged me to give it a shot. She said, so what if it sucks? It's three months of your life. And you know what? It did suck, but it was also amazing and eye-opening and a really important experience for me. One thing that took us a while to fully embrace is that when it comes to finances, it's a team sport. And we actually still have some separate accounts, but they're really in name only. When we learned that early retirement was was a thing, we both got really excited and that was kind of motivating for us. And we began tracking our household net worth at that time. If you don't do that yourself already, I recommend a free tool called Personal Capital to do that. SideHustleNation.com slash PCAP is my referral link for that online software. Lesson 18 is no matter how you try, you're not going to rationalize having kids. I wrote this years before our sons were born, and I still stand by it. Our little hustlers are by no means the product of rational decision-making, which is why I think we had such a hard time making it. We're spreadsheet people through and through. The cons column on our pros and cons list was quite a bit longer. I mean, kids cost time, money, freedom, sleep, four things we happen to value quite a bit. And it's not like we lived on a farm and could anticipate free family labor down the road or something like that. But we justified the choice by chalking up parenthood to being part of the adventure of life. And that somehow outweighed the length of the cons column. And we had this hope that the kids would make our lives happier, despite boatloads of scientific evidence to the contrary. There's tons of research done on this. And maybe someday they would make our lives happier and someday make the rest of the world a better place too. In the end, we've concluded, and I say in the end, but it's really we're still just in the beginning. In the end, we've concluded that parenthood amplifies happiness. The highs are higher and the lows are lower and both are more frequent. That's lesson 18. Lesson 19 is the kids are pretty awesome too. It's been a blast watching our sons grow and learn more every day. They are both sponges to the world, and it's fascinating to see everything they pick up on. There's nothing like realizing that to make you want to be the best version of yourself, so you can lead by example. Now, being a parent has given me a lot of new perspectives, including to appreciate life's little pleasures, moments of calm, and maybe more than anything else, a profound new respect for all the sacrifices my parents made. That's number 19. Number 20 is to control the controllables. In our house, we have a saying, the weather in Turkey. And Bryn actually came up with this while we were getting ready for our trip to Istanbul a few years ago, because I was getting stressed about like the rainy weather on the 10-day forecast. Ever since then, we use it to redirect focus onto the things you can control. For example, what you pack versus the things you can't. For example, the weather. And it actually ended up being beautiful there. Now, this weather in Turkey concept, I think, is also helpful if you or your partner find yourself freaking out about the stock market or current events or politics. It's all just weather in Turkey. All you can do is control what you can control. And in some important sense, control the controllables is the driving force behind Side Hustle Nation. You never know what outside forces are going to do to your livelihood. So it's best to be proactive and take matters into your own hands in your own hustle. Control 
what you can control. 20 more juicy life lessons coming up right after these words from our sponsors. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com, the cloud accounting solution that's recommended by 97% of small business owners. This is Rob Eng, the senior marketing manager for FreshBooks on their two primary types of users, who he calls the craftsperson and the builder. What we kind of call more of the craftsperson, uh, somebody who is a freelancer, who works on their own, and who has usually a subject matter expert in that field. So like a designer, a web developer, a consultant, or even a podcaster. And so what they're looking for is a way to simplify their life because their life is their work. And they're really passionate about their work. And they're trying to save time so they could focus more on what they love to do. And we know it's not necessarily accounting. The other one is more of that builder. So think about that agency or consultancy. And that person is looking for about scaling and for growth. They want to look at ways to increase productivity, understand where their business is going, how to scale it better. So we have features in there to help with collaboration uh, with your staff or contractors and helping give a really robust report so you understand how projects are running and how to be more efficient. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day completely free trial today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle for bookkeeping bliss along with rockstar support. Lesson 21 is it's just a game. When it comes to sports, winning is more fun, but in the end, it's just a game. And the same is true for most of the stuff we stress about. I used to be super competitive in academics, in business, and in sports. Not that I was ever very good. I just took losing personally and wanted to do better. It took some humbling experiences in all those areas to teach me to zoom out a little bit and understand, look, if I put in my best effort and someone else beat me, good on them. Lesson 22 is to say yes, you gotta say no. Everything has an opportunity cost. When you say yes to something, you're inherently saying no to something else. I've been trying to get better about using Derek Sivers' decision-making framework, which, if you never heard it, it goes like this. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. That's actually been helpful and has made me more mindful of the projects I take on, the pitches I accept, the meeting invites I put on my calendar. It's still tough to say no, but it gets easier if you can combine Derek's hell yes framework with your own stated top priorities. I'm actually using my own progress journal for that. Like, here's my primary goal for the next four weeks, and anything outside of that is a no, or at least it's a not right now. So progressjournal.net, if you want to check that out, is the link, progressjournal.net. Lesson 23 is if you don't take care of your body, where will you live? Your body and your mind, which it carries, are probably some of your most important tools. Doesn't it make sense to prioritize their maintenance, health, and well-being? That means I've stopped shopping for food based on the best calorie per dollar ratio. And seriously, sadly, this was a legit grocery store strategy of mine years ago. And I remember you could get these Totino's personal pizzas, uh, frozen pizzas. Occasionally, they go on sale for a dollar and they had like 800 calories. I thought that was amazing and I was so smart. Awful for you. (laughs) So take care of yourself. That means fuel, hydrate, move, rest. When I'm disciplined about these things, I feel 10 times better and I'm way more effective as a business owner and as a parent. Lesson 24 is that willpower is easier when you play offense. What do I mean by that? If you want to stop eating sugary processed food, stop bringing sugary processed food into the house. 
If you want to drink less, don't keep beer in the fridge. If you want to exercise more, put your gear right by the side of the bed. Playing defense with willpower all day is exhausting. If I had to pass a bowl of M&Ms every time I got up from my desk, they wouldn't last long. But they're not there. Play a little bit offense to save yourself from hours or weeks of agonizing defense. For more on willpower, definitely check out my chat with Derek Depker. That's episode 290 of the Side Hustle Show or sidehustlenation.com slash willpower. We'll get you over there. Lesson 25. If you speak with confidence and conviction, people will believe you. Unfortunately, this works whether what you're saying is true or not, as our politicians illustrate. But speaking with confidence is another one of those things that comes with practice. I hope if you go back and listen to the first few episodes of the podcast and compare them with ones from six years later, I hope you hear an improvement. I may not have felt very confident when I'm speaking on stage, but it took a certain degree of confidence to land my TEDx talk in the first place, as one example. Do you have any speaking experience? The organizers asked. Well, I've got a podcast, I said, and I went on to explain the perspective I could bring to the event. If you speak with confidence and conviction, people will believe you. Lesson 26 is the things you own end up owning you. I will be the first to admit clutter stresses me out. It costs money. It's a pain to move. It takes up mental bandwidth. But beyond that, owning a bunch of stuff can really hinder your happiness, especially if it's nice stuff. Nowhere was this more evident than in our move last summer to have to put eyes and hands and brain power on every single item in your house and make that keep, toss, sell, donate decision was exhausting. So you got to be mindful about the stuff that comes in. Over the last few years, I've tried to implement a couple strategies for making new purchases. The first is the 30-day waiting period. Next time you're thinking of buying something, sit on it for 30 days. Easy, right? Do you still want it? Do you still need it? Number two is to buy higher quality. When I do buy something, especially clothes, I've shifted to spending more upfront for something higher quality that I really like, that fits well, and that hopefully is going to last. Now, to get rid of the unnecessary possessions in your life and even make some money in the process, you can use some framing questions like, would you buy it again? Have you used it in the last year? Could it be easily and inexpensively replaced? Now, it's not like I've gone full minimalist, but I'm just trying to be more conscious about bringing new possessions into the house because this is a big lesson that I have learned is that the stuff that you buy ends up owning you. Lesson 27 is that no one else is going to do it for you. This one really took a while to to sink in. So I'd have items on my to-do list for weeks at a time. And I'd finally realize they were only ever going to get done if I did something about it. What that means is taking responsibility for your own life and financial well-being, not relying on your parents, on the government, or on your boss, because nobody else is going to do it for you. That's lesson 27. Lesson 28 pairs with that, and that's that you can't do it all by yourself. Or maybe better said, you shouldn't do it all by yourself. Now, I've been working on improving my delegation skills for years and still have a long way to go. I'll be the first to admit it. But I know this. I'm in a better place today because I've been able to let go of certain tasks and projects. Sometimes there are people better suited to the job. Other times there are better things I should be doing with that time. Look at hiring not as an expense, but as an investment. Think of yourself as buying time, as John Jonas put it in our recent episode on hiring virtual assistants. 
And it's hard to imagine a better thing to invest in. So recognize that you can't do it all by yourself. Eventually, you're going to hit that ceiling. And if you want to keep going, you're going to need to bring some help. Lesson 29, the second best way to prevent a hangover is vitamin B. The best way, of course, is not drinking in the first place. Shocking, I know. Also, I think if you need a drink after work, I think you need a different job. Lesson 30, generally speaking, the majority of subject matter in school is pretty silly. I use the facts and formulas I memorized for school approximately never. And this is coming from someone who was a former valedictorian. I wasn't the angst-filled kid who sat in the back questioning the whole thing. But what I've come to realize is that formal education is more about learning how to learn and how to communicate. Those are the skills I learn every day, not the passages of Hamlet that I had to memorize or the writing in cursive. Do they still teach that? You learn how to learn, and education never stops. Lesson 31. It's hard to believe, but some people don't like Jimmy Buffett. I know, weird, right? My mom is a big fan. She's a parrot head, so I grew up listening to his music. Today, it reminds me of home, and I actually think there's a lot of wisdom in some of his lyrics. The guy is a poet, a traveler, a philosopher, a businessman, and his observations go way beyond Margaritaville, right? He's done okay in business too. He's got a reported net worth of over half a billion dollars. But back to the lyrics, some of my favorites include, if we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. Wrinkles only go where the smiles have been. And pretty much all of Cowboy in the Jungle, which contemplates the brevity of life and questions our, quote, blind ambition. It's a good one, I promise. Check it out. Lesson 31, while I do love me some Jimmy Buffett, the sound of snow falling is the best music in the world. I just love this. I think I want to experiment living in the mountains at some point. I can still take myself back to Snoqualmie Pass as a kid, nighttime, the freeway noise quiets down on I-90, and you go to bed thinking, how deep is it going to be in the morning? Lesson 33 is that perfection is the enemy of good enough. I used to be much more of a perfectionist, but I've since learned that good enough is good enough. Striving for perfection is a recipe for disappointment, procrastination, and failure to launch. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't care about your work. Just recognize that you can still help people and still make money with something that is still imperfect in your mind. In the words of Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, you launched too late. Lesson 34, in the grand scheme of things, if you're listening to this, you're probably very fortunate. You have a smartphone device, you have internet access, you have a computer, you have at least a few free moments in your day. Those things are a really powerful combination toward building a successful side hustle. Lesson 35, it's okay to not know what you want to be when you grow up. I still don't. I mean, blogger, Author, podcaster, definitely wasn't on the radar of career choices when I was growing up. This stuff didn't even exist. So I think the question of what do you want to be when you grow up is an unnecessarily stressful one, probably because we've been trained to think that the only right answer is a job. How about happy? How about excited? How about interesting? It's okay to not know what you want to be when you grow up. I still don't. Lesson 36 is simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. This is a quote I love from Leonardo da Vinci. I have a habit 
and maybe you do too, of making things more complicated than they need to be. And this lesson often helps rein me in. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. With most big decisions or projects, I try and ask if this is ultimately going to make life simpler or more complex. And if it adds a layer of complexity, is that worth it? Simplify, simplify, simplify. And lesson 37 is the equation for happiness, and that's this. Happiness equals meaningful work plus meaningful relationships plus a sense of progress. I believe it was Freud who simplified this equation to being happiness equals love plus work. And I found that basic structure to be true. Good things happen when you're working on something you care about, you feel like you're getting better at either at that work or in other areas of your life, and you have someone to share it with. So I don't want to get too philosophical here, but if you're unhappy, I think it's likely that one or more elements of that equation is missing. Remember, meaningful work plus meaningful relationships plus a sense of progress. Now, as promised, three more lessons from the last three years. Number 38, if you want to be more disciplined, be more disciplined. I think this is a line from Jocko Willink or David Goggins, one of these former military guys. And maybe the context was people were asking for tricks and hacks to get up earlier or stick with their fitness routine or whatever it was. And the response was like, look, there's no secret weapon here. Just do it. Just be more disciplined. And what you'll find, or at least what I found, is that the more you do it, the more you do it, you start to build that identity habit. And along those same lines, I got a note from a reader who was asking for advice on spending less money. It was like, hey, I just have a hard time not spending the money that comes in. I need to be better about saving. And my reaction was similar to Jocko's. Like, just stop doing that. <laughs> when, like, when you already have a habit, it's hard to imagine not having it. And the only way to get there is through practice. If you want to be more disciplined, be more disciplined. That was a quote that has stood out to me over the last few years. Prove it to yourself that you can do it. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. 
Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Lesson 39 is if you've already won the game, why take additional risk? This was a line that stood out to me from Ramit Sethi's book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. He uh, was talking about this in the context of bond investing or something. When, and I interpreted it like much broader. I don't know if he intended it this way. If you already have everything you need and everything you want, maybe it's okay to take the foot off the gas a while. Uh, maybe it's okay to coast for a little bit. We've been consuming some content on so-called coast fire, the idea that once you have accumulated a certain amount in your retirement savings account, oh, you know, project that out another 20 years, it's going to be okay. You don't have to be as aggressive about saving and investing in the near term. It's like, okay, enjoy life. Take the foot off the gas, enjoy life a little bit. And in terms of side hustle stuff, it's not to say, you know, become a hermit, become a hoarder, but it's just to take a look at projects and decisions with a new lens. If this thing that I'm considering doing works out and what's the cost and likelihood of that happening, is that going to be a win? And if it is a win, like, is that a meaningful, positive impact on your life? If you've already won the game, why take on additional risk? And then lesson 40 is luxury is feeling unrushed. This is a Tim Ferriss quote that has especially resonated over the last couple of years. We're no longer rushing to get kids out the door, you know, 730 preschool starts to get Brynn off to work. She's working at home. It's just it's so much more relaxed. My work days, for what's worth, they start a lot later. I recognize I'm not getting as much stuff done, but I can appreciate that as a luxury. And thanks in part to this Tim Ferriss line, but also in the context of comparing it to what the days used to look like. Luxury doesn't mean designer brands and fancy cars and fancy houses. It's time freedom and being able to allocate and invest that time how you want to do it. Being in charge of your own calendar, your own agenda, instead of reacting to someone else's. Think about what you're optimizing for. Luxury is feeling unrushed. Something to ponder for you. And then finally, lesson 41. This is the one to grow on. It's a bonus. People love bonuses. Under promise, over deliver. Any favorites on this list? What would you add? I know I'll have to update it again in the future, but let me know in the comments for this episode. You'll find all of these lessons at sidehustlenation.com slash 40 things. Big thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. Head on over to freshbooks.com slash sidehustle to start a 30-day free trial of the number one invoicing and accounting solution for side hustlers and freelancers everywhere. That is it for me. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. If you're finding value in the show, the great compliment is to share it with a friend. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. What is Daddy's name? Nick. Um, Nick Loper. How old is that? 40. Can I do... Well, I think how old he is. Sure. Oh, 84. Okay. What does Daddy do for his job? Podcasting work. What kind of work? Um, podcasts and other kind of work. What What does he talk about on this podcast? Business. Stuff. What is his favorite thing to eat? Peanut butter.
peanut butter that you guys. What is his favorite thing to drink? Coffee. Root beer. Are you sure? Coffee. Coffee. Coffee and root beer. Okay. What does he like to say? Dude. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't think he says that. Hmm. How old was he when he cut off all his hair? Nine. What is your favorite memory that you have with Daddy? The hike. Hike? Which hike? Um, the hike that we went a lot on in California. Oh, okay. Well, I used to like going on hikes with him. Not I, anymore? No. What do you like to do with him now? Eating ice cream. What do you think we should do for Daddy on his birthday? Give him a gallon of peanut butter. Team mm. cupcakes and chocolate flavor, flavor peanut butter brownies. Happy birthday, Happy! I love you, Daddy. I love you, Daddy.